Change the Game. Brought to you by the Mackay Cutters. Episode 34, Change the Game podcast. We're back for season four. Change the Game podcast is brought to you by Mind Ignition, leaders in performance mindset coaching. I'm Mitch Cook, CEO of the Mackay Cutters, and I'm joined by Kenny Edwards and we're going to talk through life lessons and just Kenny's journey through life, rugby league, how he ended up at the Cutters and where he's going in the future as well. Welcome, Kenny. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Let's go start, mate, of your journey of your sporting career as an athlete. What was your first memories back as a kid in New Zealand, growing up, throwing the footy around, getting smashed by Older brothers and cousins, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was older cousins. Where we all grew up in a little house in Levin, a little town called Levin. And it was me, my first cousin, James Tamo, and then all of our... So it was me and him the same age and his older brother, who's a little bit older than us. And then all our older cousins, they were all in, like, in their 40s and 50s now. But it was just us at our nans, and they used to bash us. And we had one little hallway that we played in, and it was the game was called Run It Straight. And our cousins didn't take it easy on us at that time. So that was probably my earliest memory of rugby league as well. All our family, all my older cousins, smashing us in the hallway of our nans and and Levin and, and holes in a oh bro, wall? massive holes all over. And you just used to hear my nan in the <laughs> next room banging, like, get the f out of there, stop <laughs> smashing my walls. Yeah, bro, it's, that, that, it's funny you say it. that was her. That we yeah. could just hear her banging on the wall, stop playing in there, massive holes in the walls. And so yeah, that was probably my <laughs> earliest memory of playing rugby league and that sort of stuff. And then obviously moved on to age grade footy there wasn't much where we were it's a little town like unless you live in Auckland there's not much rugby league in New Zealand mm-hmm. well there wasn't back then for age grade is so this north or south of Auckland? It's north, north. so it's it's in the North Island but near Wellington like an hour north of Wellington All right, yep. and like I said if you're not in the big capitals like Wellington and Auckland you, there's not real there's no real age grade rugby league for you and so there wasn't for us back then so we just played rugby union growing up and then it wasn't until we were like 11 or 10 or 11 we started playing for our, our local team uh, the Levin Knights so that was probably my earliest memory was at, at Nans in the hallway until we started playing age grade and that age group under 10s and 11s were you like one of the big kids smaller kids yeah I was well J- Jimmy was me he was massive he's always the biggest kid in our grade and I, I probably I had a growth spurt I wasn't massive I was a tiny kid my, my young fella he's probably the size as same size as I was it wasn't until I was hit about 14 and 15 where so I started playing with men me and Jimmy started playing with men when we were so I was 12 and Jimmy was 13 and we were playing against men in the reserve grade local so there was A grade and reserve grade we were playing in the reserve grade and we made the grand final we lost to, to a team in the grand final but so it wasn't until about just after then I started playing with men I got a big massive growth spurt and I just went fat well, I think it was a growth spurt I think it was an eating spurt I just got real fat the story I tell is so I was so this time was about, I was about 14 or 15 and I was playing in the, the A grade in, in our local comp mm. and I was playing fullback at the time and so there was a bit of footage getting around a bit of me and I got sent to Kiba Park State High School and at the end of that year, 2005 that was, I got an interview of Kiba Park. They told me to come over for an interview so I was this young, fit little fullback running around at the time in this men's grade when I turned up there at the end of the year I was this chubby kid and they didn't they thought it was a different kid that turned up so I had a bit of training to do um, by the time so I ended up getting a scholarship and by the time I had to get back there I had to lose like 12 kgs because I got recruited over there to play 5'8 to Kiwi Park there next year. Yeah, wow. What were you eating? Oh man, I, I don't even remember. Playing with men and it was in New Zealand. We love food. We yeah. love food, so anything and everything. I think. 
What's your favourite delicacy? Oh, bro, right you're making me hungry. My mouth's watering <laughs> just thinking about it. Probably our mouldy. We have traditional food and mouldy food. It's called a boil up. It's literally just that. You throw meat in a pot, vegetables, potatoes, all in one pot, boil it all together, and then it's this big greasy pot of goodness, man. It's the best ever. And so that I'll have to say that's my, my favourite is, is the old boil up in New Zealand. Everyone in New Zealand will know what that is. Yeah. Reminds you of home. Yeah. Let's talk about some challenges along the way. No doubt that story you just told then. Challenge straight up playing reserve grade as a young fella mm. and on the field, but then probably also off the field. What have some of those challenges been and your memories early days? And then, then we can transition into mm. more recent. Yeah. I... Uh, a bit of a different upbringing, a bit of a rough one. Our younger days, like I said, we were brought up as at my nan's. For me, my nan's was probably my safe haven. That's where I felt safe, a bit more than probably at home. I lived out in an area where there was gangs two doors down. There was a gang there, and uh, but they were harmless. They'd see us in the morning and would wave, and they would wave back. And but they were harmless. But that's where their their local pad was, and Tokyo Beach. And Did they recruit kids. No, that it was different times. I, I was a kid. I was literally a baby then. I was maybe five or six years old and I remember the gang cars but they were, they, they'd cruise around and do their thing and they wouldn't it was, alone. yeah yeah Nan's just in town was always a safe haven for us and that's where we'd go and we know we were safe and we always had something to eat and that sort of stuff so it was yeah it was a bit of a challenging upbringing but one that I don't regret uh, having because it's probably brought me to where I am today and it's uh, along the way I've been able to learn from what I uh, went through as a kid and yeah so that's probably the first memories I have as a youngster growing up is being around the gangs and watching them drive past and I just used to call them uncles and all that sort of stuff there's uncles driving past so as I got older my nan left us she passed away and then I moved to Auckland I grew up a bit in Auckland too where my dad's from I moved up there how old were you then? I would have been so I moved backwards and forwards so I moved up so when I was about 12 for a year and I'd moved back and then I moved back up back and forth to a town called Pukekohe South Auckland where rugby league is a, is a massive, so I, I went there and that was the first time I got to play against my own age. Did you dominate straight up? No, yeah, it was. It wasn't easy, but like it was tough because Auckland's a tough comp. It's yeah. always a tough comp. There was always kids, someone bigger, stronger, and faster than you. Mm -hmm. And I found that out when I went to Auckland. When where we are down the line is wasn't too many kids like I said there's not much age grade so there's not too many kids my age when I got up there it was a whole new world uh, I got yeah brought into a whole new world and it was awesome I loved my time up there I got to play with blokes like Jesse Bromwich we were in the same team and a few boys up there who I got to play with along the way and did it spur you on and motivate you to make something of yourself with league or did it really open your eyes of the possibilities no to be fair I, I never really I never so we didn't have Sky or, or Foxtel growing up, so I didn't really watch much rugby league, to be fair. Mm. It was ingrained in our family. We're a big rugby league family. Like I said, my cousins were playing it the, their whole lives, and so it was in it, but I never really watched it, so I didn't really didn't think, nah, I didn't really think that I could do it as a job, or I didn't really, I didn't really know that I could do it as a job. And that wasn't until, you know, uh, I went back down to Levin, and I had a couple of boys... A guy named William Raston, who's in, is from our hometown. I watched him on Levin Domain. I would have been maybe 13 watching him play for the Central Falcons against another uh, team. I think it was under-19s at the time. But then I watched him on the uh, Levin Domain, and then it was maybe two years later he was running out for the Canberra Raiders. And it probably wasn't until then I thought, wow, maybe. What, how good is this? I'm watching him on TV. I was just watching him on my little local park two years ago, three years ago. and So it probably wasn't until then I probably thought I, I could maybe there was... 
a world where I can go and do it as a job. But I wasn't always passionate about, like I had no idols in rugby league because I didn't watch it. Mm. My idols were always my older cousins who bashed us all the time. They're our idols. Yeah, it wasn't probably till that time I probably thought that I, I could do it myself. Interesting. Yeah, you mentioned your cousin Jimmy. He came through a similar path as you. Did he follow you to Auckland as well? And no, so he, he stayed in Levin. He stayed in Levin. His mum and dad are from Levin. And so he stayed there until he was, I think, 14, 15. The year after we made the final as mm-hmm. kids playing against men, he left and come to Oz. His, his family moved to Australia. So he just played in the Sydney Roosters Juniors. And I was still back in New Zealand at the time. And they just played in, his, in the Roosters Juniors and, and come up through that way. Did you keep in contact? Yeah, 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 we'd keep in contact. I'd see, so I think he went into the, maybe the Harold Mats. I can't remember what academy. Then I seen him back home and then I see him in Roosters gears running out. I didn't know what it was. I just seen him in Roosters gears and I'm thinking it's NRL and he's close to NRL and all that sort of stuff. You know, I'd always keep in contact and think, man, how good's that? He was just playing with me last year. Now he's playing at the Roosters. That's, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. So then when did, it got real for you when you, you journeyed over to Australia to Kibra Park? Yep, yep. I just got, there was uh, some agent in New Zealand that got some film of me and sent it to Kibra Park and they liked what they seen. They seen some little fresh kid playing with men and, and so they invited me, invited me over at the end of the year for an interview and so I went over for an interview and got in and for the following year for 2006. So this was just after Benji Marshall had, had set the world on fire 2005 and Tigers had just won the competition and I just got recruited to go to his school, Kiwi Park, and that's when that was like a big thing, Kiwi mm-hmm. Park, and all the Kiwi kids wanted to go there and I just got recruited there to go there as a 5'8", and so I was, man, I was over the, I was over the moon with that, you know, that opportunity, and that, that was a whole other world in itself. When did the interest, how did it gather momentum from there? Like, what, do you remember the time when you were here and at Kiwi Park and... Yeah. Was it agents or was it a club or? You mean to move on to the next level? Yeah. So I was at Kiwi Park for two years. Our first year, I was like contracted with the West Tigers. The second year, I had a really good year. I had a really good year and I was lucky enough to make the Australian schoolboys. I was a front rower then. So I, I, it was funny. I got recruited to come as a back row, uh, as a 5'8". Mm. I turned up and I was way too fat still. So they had to go and recruit another 5'8", which was Rob Louie from up north. So he ended up coming down and playing 5'8", and they shifted me into the back row. And that was the first year. So the next year I turned up, I was fat again, even fatter. So they put me in the front row and I ended up playing front row that year. And I had a really good year, made the Australian schoolboys. And then my teacher, Mr. Linton, Greg Linton from, from Kira Park, he bought an agent into the school to sign me as an agent. Taz Bartlett, he was, and that's his name. And he's, he's with Pacific Sports Management. And so he came and signed me as a 17 year old and uh, not to blow my own horn here but we come up and we played in Mackay we were here we played in I made the I was lucky enough to make the Queensland team we come and played Mackay in a trial match against New South Wales on our way to Townsville I got the man of the match here I was a goal kicking front rower I got man of the match here in Mackay and then we carried on to the national championships in Townsville and I only played one game there in Townsville against CHS and I'd done my knee i done my meniscus in my knee but I was still lucky enough to make the Australian schoolboys at the end of that and so there was a few agents getting around that carnival and Noel Clear was one of them and my manager came and grabbed me and he took me away and I met Crusher there and and yeah after that signed with Manly to go to Manly after the year after my first year out of school and went straight into the first grade squad So I guess some of the biggest lessons you've learned through out your career but what about that time there was something anything you can think back of like yeah that's a stage with you for life or anything that you were to go back and oh, i wish i made the most of that opportunity or yep 
is anything that really sticks 100%. out. 100%. So I got that contract at Manly, and to be fair, it was one of the bigger contracts in the under-20s. It was, under, it was the first year of under-20s, mm-hmm. and so I got a really good deal. And I'd got money I'd never got, I'd ha- never had before. I went straight down there, straight out of school, November. So it was 2008? Yep, yep. Yes. 2000, this was for the 2008 season. So but, do you mind going into what the money was? For, so back then it was about 50 grand. And then for a kid my age who had never had money and going straight fresh out of high school, that was massive money for me. I'd never had money before. I was at school the year before, scabbing lunch at at school to eat. And so to get that straight out of high school was probably, I think it was, yeah, it was pretty big money back then. And Mm. so, you know what, Manly was probably my biggest regret because I had it all on a plate. Mm-hmm. Des, the coach, loved me. He told me after my first game of being playing back row as a, a, in a trial match against Melbourne Storm, my first trial match, he said, I'm going to make a back row out of you, a great back row out, out of you. I thought I'd made it before I, I'd actually made it. I'd got money I'd never had in my life. So I, I took it all for granted. I took it all for granted. And through my own doing, they ended up releasing me. It only lasted one year there. And that's through my own doing, through stuff off the field and that I'd been doing and that sort of stuff. So that was probably my biggest regret was leaving there. So I went into a, a team who had a team full of stars that, that looking back now, we had Daly Cherry Evans, Kieran Foran, Jared Warrior Hargraves, Jamie Bura. Who else was there? There was Darcy Lussick. We had really a good team. And like I said, I'm not blowing my own horn, but I was probably the highest rated. Me and Jared were probably the high, Jared Hargraves were the highest rated out of all the kids there. And But through my own doing, I lost that opportunity. And it's something that sunk in. And uh, when I did eventually make my comeback, so that spurred me on to make my comeback because I did leave the game after that for a while so if when we like highlight the the title of this chat life lessons what was that lesson back then for you now like reflecting taking things for granted was is probably the biggest life lesson i got out of that like i said i went down there on big money i thought i was a big fish i thought that what, uh, like what did you take for granted the opportunity, the opportunity. yeah the opportunity i thought that I, i'd already made i went down with the attitude that i already played 100 in our old games I hadn't done nothing in the game. I hadn't done nothing in the game and soon found no out. One, no one picked that up with you. Well, like no one took you under their wing and was like, Kenny, come here, mate. you got to – Not really, yeah, not really. No. So if, if I had my time again, there was a lot of great leaders in that club. Brent Kite was one of them. I really looked up to him. But there wasn't really – so all the things that was happening outside of the boys – you know that they noticed Cuffbo here he was really he was awesome too he was here he was there when I rocked up there and so there's a lot of great leaders in the club there I just didn't probably utilize them as much as I could have or should have and like I said there was no one really to pull me into line until it was too late I had all these warnings along the way but it was just a slap on the wrist at the time and then at the end of it they released me and yeah that was that so do you think like all the well-being support around now you see it in the game at our level, but then further up you go with the NRL at the moment, it's even more. 100%. That would have been great for you back Oh, 100%. Then. The amount of support that has grown for players since back in those days is massive. I, I was lucky at Parramatta. I had a really good one. I, or I had a couple. We had a couple guys there, and I, knew, I had that support there. But even now, I can't imagine what's happening now, and I've just seen that in the NRL. They've got all the Pacific ambassadors, and I've got one of my mates, Bro Takarangi, who's just got on board with them, and they've got all these different nationalities who are ambassadors. I think he's a Cook Island ambassador. So there's a lot of work that's going into it. And, mate, there's no, there can never be too much because kids like me who come out of fresh out of New Zealand who see the bright lights and they might not know how to handle money 
and that sort of stuff. So I wish I had that going back, but again, that's my own fault for not realising. Mm. Have you been able to pass on a message to any player in your later in your career that have you seen maybe going down the same path? Mate, to be fair, I've always loved – so I, I left the game for a while and I always knew that my – so before I come back and played NRL, I thought that my calling was to help other kids get along the way. So when I left the game, I started helping other kids get to Keeper Park and, and that sort of stuff. So I've had a lot of kids over the time who I've helped and, and try and guide and, and to, to, to do it the right way. And even like young blokes in my squads that I have, I always take under my wings and try and help them. But yeah, I, I've always been like that and it's something that I'm proud of and I want to do more of moving forward. So what was some of those wellbeing supports that you did? You were talking to a little bit there, especially Parramatta. You had mm. some really good people around you and the wellbeing support was there. What were your own things that you go to to get back on track or you needed more of this in your life? Did you, what was in your wellbeing toolkit back then or and has it changed? What's in your wellbeing toolkit now? Man, so for me, I'm lucky I have a good partner. I'm really lucky I've got a good partner and we have a safe place at home. Our kids have a safe home and so I know, and she can read me like a book. She knows when I'm down. She knows, she could tell just like that. If I come home and I was in a bad mood or if I come home and I probably didn't get the news I wanted for somewhere, she can. She knows and she, we stop and we talk about things. It's my mate, she's honestly my rock and she's massive for me. But like in terms of the wellbeing side of things, we had a great, his name was Matty Francis at Parramatta. He was our well-being, but we also had another guy, Jace. He was the next police officer that just used to come into training and train with us. And so he was our safe place. Anytime we needed someone, had some, in, some help with anything, Jace was there and Matty Francis was there and just talking more than anything with those guys and talking through things that I... As a young Pacific Island Maori kid, it found it hard to talk and to open up thing. I don't have that problem now, but back then it was tough to open up to someone. And, and yeah, so that, that's probably my biggest thing is opening up and talking and being vulnerable at times when I probably, yeah, when I wouldn't have in the past. Mm. You touched on role models like earlier about not having a lot of role models when you're younger. Mm. What, who's been a role model for you throughout your career? Oh, role model for me throughout my career. You know what? I always say it. The one bloke that I can never stop giving his flowers to is Brad Arthur. He was massive for me, not only as a player, but as a person and as a father. He was massive for me. He's probably my one role model. He turned like into like a dad figure for me rather than, than a coach. He was more of a father figure for me and or an older brother figure. Someone that pulled me into line and any time I needed. But there was times when it got really hard and he was there. There was times, lessons where, oh, I'll give you one example. It's probably the best advice I've ever got in my life was he pulled me in one time. He dropped me for round one. So round one, 2018, he dropped me. There's a backstory behind it. So 2017, we made the finals. We finished third. I, I feel like I was our best player in that final series in 2017. Anyway... That off-season, I'd done a few things that, you know, I'm not proud of. He knew that, and so without telling me, he dropped me for round one, 2018. I was filthy. I was When he named the team, and, and I was filthy. I was ropeable. I went to the extent to uh, ask for a release because I believe I should have been playing. I went to the extent to ask him for a release, and I went and sorted. Luke Burt had gone to the Gold Coast Titans at the time, and I went to the extent to ask for a release so I could go and speak to the Titans, and he was keen. The Titans were keen for me to go up there and stuff, and Brad pulled me in, and 
I was going through a tough time in my life the year before. Uh, me and my partner had broken up at the time. She was living on the Gold Coast. And I was spending every weekend, Brad would let me go back to the Gold Coast after every game and spend the weekend with my kids. I'd spend a lot of money on flights and hotels so I can go up there and stay with them. Anyway, he called me in when, he, when I said that I want to release and he said to me, the biggest advice I ever got and, and it still sits with me today, he goes, do you think you're a good dad? And I said, you know I am a good dad. You, you know I'm a good dad. You see me last year, how much I travelled to see my kids and how much I was there for them when me and their mum broke up. And his best advice he gave to me was, you may be a good dad, you're not a consistent dad. And that's that. At the time, I was feel like I was like, "Are you joking me? Like you've seen what I do for my kids. Mm. You've seen everything that I've done for my kids, and how much I struggle to be there, and and all that sort of stuff." And at the time, I was really bitter about what he said to me because I thought I was a consistent dad. It wasn't till and I held that for a couple of years. Once I went sober in 2019, I went sober for three years, and it really sunk in what that meant. What that meant being a consistent dad and not just a good dad. There's a massive difference between a good dad and being a consistent and dad that I realise now and yeah like I said that didn't really sink into me and with me until I went sober and then I become a consistent dad and then I become the best dad that I could be and yeah, then I realised. So over any football advice, any advice I've ever gotten, that was the best advice I've ever gotten because football's football. I, I love football, but my kids are my everything and my world and it wasn't until I become the best dad I could be that I understood that advice that he gave me. Yeah, it's so powerful, isn't it? Mm. Like, like great from Brad, probably being really honest. Yep, 100%. Um, yeah, you being really vulnerable to take that feedback on, but you said you held on mm. for a couple of years and you would have to go through a process too to understand that. You, you can go, well, I wish I understood that sooner. But, 100%, like but I it said. It is what it is. Yeah. It's good you're in this place now where you can yep. understand that, that consistency is yeah. where you need to be. Yep, 100%. So, and what about now? So, well-being, like we talk, so we talked about family. Is it, what else do you do to look after your well-being other than having those conversations at home? Do you, are you actively studying? Do you work out other than playing like, yeah, training? Well, and- well, to keep my well-being, like I, I'm a big trainer, like I love training in the off-season. We just went to Bali for the off-season on our way home from England and the outlet for me and my partner for Madison is we love to train. We go and train together. I love training like by myself. I love competing with myself. I love it and that's a massive outlet for us. We could wake up, we wake up this morning before fit this morning, went to the gym this morning just because it's like it's her outlet and it's also a way for me to go and as much as it's an outlet, it's also making us better. Mm. So that's for us if we can go out and she could be in a shitty mood she could go out and do her workout at her gym come home she's in just a hundred times better mood and I don't know what it is I don't know if there's science behind it or whatever it is but it always my working out always makes me feel better yeah, and that's something that we chem- like to chemical do chemical release of dopamine is it yeah yeah no, yeah it's powerful. Yeah, so that's something that we love to do as a couple and, and individually. Like I said, we're in Bali for, for the whole off season, and every morning we had our kids in a good routine. We're up at six a.m. off to the gym in Bali and start our day that way, and then go about our day, whatever we're doing. But that that's a massive one for us as exercise. Our kids love it. Our kids are big football fans, and so by football, I've been in England the last four years, and mm. football is uh, soccer now. They're big football fans, so they love to get about it. Yeah, I was going to talk about lifestyle next. Like you've changed from the, uh, living in the UK. Transitioning to Mackay has been a big uh, move for you and your family. Yep. What are some initial thoughts about living here in Mackay, North Queensland, and yep. the differences between where you've come from? Mate, it's, you know what, I'm going to, 
share something that I probably haven't, I just only told my missus this not so long ago, but the biggest change that I've seen is in my kids. This time last year, we come back for, for our off season, my off season, and it was about a couple of days before we drew to go back to England. And my daughter come downstairs, we we're down on the Gold Coast at, at her grandmother's house, at my missus' mum's house. And my daughter come downstairs and um, she grabbed me and said, Dad, can I have a word with you upstairs? She's 12 years, old, 12 years old at the time. And she come down and said, Dad, can I have a word with you upstairs, please? And I said, yep, no worries. So I went upstairs and then she just broke down, broke down and said, Dad, I can't go back to England. I can't go back to England. My mental health is deteriorating. So as, as a 12-year-old, for me to hear that was, was massive. And it's, yeah, when, when she told me that, it was hard for me to hear her say that. I probably, I didn't probably didn't take it as serious as I thought. But at that time, I broke down with her. I broke down with her and started crying with her. And I said, "You're my daughter. I'm never leaving you behind. You got to come back with us, baby." And I broke down, and she could see I was crying, and I was in, I was in some pain. And so she sucked it up at that time. She said, "Okay, Dad. Yep, come on then. Let's go. We, we'll go back to England, sort of thing." And it was at that time I probably knew it was probably time to come home. We'd been thinking about it for a couple of years, but it was probably time then I knew to come home. With my 12-year-old daughter saying that, and I didn't realize how much that meant until I, me and my missus told our kids that we're coming home. They started boiling their eyes out, crying. And from that point onwards, so she was big in sports before we left overseas to go overseas and play. She was big in sports. She was an active kid. And to see the person, to see the kid she is now compared to what she was in England makes me feel a bit crap because she hasn't been living for her full potential. She hasn't been to her full potential all these years. Six mm. years were overseas. And so to see the difference between in my kids from when they were in England, she didn't want to play sports. She sat in her room and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now we're out training. We're training yesterday. She's asking to train today. We've been out training today. And it's a completely different kid. And for me, that's the biggest indication for me that, you know, I've made the right decision and coming home and, mate, we love it up here in, in Mackay. It's hot all the time and we've been in snow, you know, we've, for weeks, days, we've been in snow up to our knees and haven't been able to leave the house. So that's probably the biggest transition was the weather. Up here is beautiful all the time and I know we're in for a stormy season soon and mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, that, yeah, I just wanted to share that because that was probably the point where I thought I knew it was time to come home. Yeah, right. she was 12 years old 12 years she's old. been able to communicate that to you. Yep. Like, yep. Wow. Well, yeah, it's good that you are here because we're happy you're here. You fit in really well to the club so far and showed a lot of leadership amongst our group. So we're looking forward to the season ahead. What have been some first impressions of the club, of the group? What's your sort of goals and thoughts about the season coming up? Awesome, mate. The club, the professionalism, just because it's not in our old club, but the professionalism and the things that have been able to get done for us to make our trip here and, and make our move comfortable has, has been like second to none, probably better than half the Super League clubs. The club's been it's been nothing but inviting and 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 bent over backwards for us to, to make us comfortable in, in our move and we're loving it here and we I can't wait to get started with the boys. I haven't done much training yet. My body's still a bit broken from the season, just gone. But I can't wait to get stuck in with the boys. Obviously, the Cutters didn't have the best season they would have wanted to have had this year on the field. Uh, put it down to a few things, I'm not sure, but there's a lot of those games where they were still in the fight for a lot of those games, especially against the top teams. I think losing to East Tigers on the bell and losing to South Logan on the bell late, and that was later on in the season, so you could see the team progressed as, it, as the year went on, and adding a couple of blokes like myself and Mahir Fanua who, who's come in, and even Riley Dean who I played with in England, he came on loan with us to Cuzzleford this year. He's a smart player who can get us around the field. Even one of my mates that I grew up with back home, back in New Zealand, Cody Opodi, he's 
been my he's been a breath of fresh air at training. His energy, his leadership for a half, his leadership that he's shown currently is massive for us. And so I think adding a few fresh faces and a few different ideas might be good for our group. And yeah, I can't wait to get stuck in the training with the boys. And you've been doing some work with our junior rep programs. So you're currently working with Mind Ignition here in town and they're big in the wellbeing space and the, the mindset coaching. And mm. tell us a little bit about that work that you're just starting to engage with our junior reps. Yeah, I'm starting, starting to work with all the junior reps coming through and mate, it's been, like I just said, it's been a breath of fresh air for me. It comes natural. It's something that comes natural to me because it's something that I've lived the last 15 years, 15, 16 years. I wish these sort of coaches and these sort of personnel were around when I was their age because then maybe I shared it with the kids this morning, some kids this morning that uh, my biggest regret is not playing for the New Zealand Kiwis. I told them I, I think I'd done enough in 2017 to, to be picked but I didn't and I think that if I had have had these coaches like a wellness and wellbeing coach and to teach me strategies coming through I, I think maybe well, I don't think I know I would have achieved that goal so it's yeah it's been a breath of fresh air for me mate I've always worked with kids and stuff coming through but to start working and learning about this space more than anything but about the wellbeing space it is massive yeah let's talk about some future goals well let's talk about current goals at the moment what are some current goals for you and then dare to dream tell me some big ones current goals on the field on or off, both. Off the field. Yeah. I'll, give, I'll give one of each. I'll give one on mm. the field. So obviously on the field, this club here hasn't probably had success in a long time. Um, 2013 was the last time we made the finals. Mate, if I could come back and help lead the boys to the finals, that would be massive. Kim Williams here, a bloke who I'm real close with through my time in, in Huddersfield, and I've done a bit of work with the juniors with him over there. It would be massive for him if we could get back to the finals. And the whole club, the whole town, it's a rugby league town here. I've come to learn it's a rugby league town and they love their footy. So if we could get back to the finals, mate, and push on through the finals that, that's probably my one goal on the field and off the field is just to try and upskill myself in this well-being space upskill myself and and so that at the end of these two or three years I can transition smoothly into a role whether it be here or anywhere else mm. well that wraps it up unless there's anything else you want to add on the back end nah, nah I'm all good bro to finish it there. yep 100% now nah, we'll welcome Ken to you and your family to Mackay mate and it's, um, looking forward to seeing you around out in the park in the Cutters Jersey early next year. Can't wait. Thanks, mate. Thanks, brother. Change Your Game podcast is brought to you by Mind Ignition, leaders in performance mindset coaching. Change the Game, brought to you by the Mackay Cutters.